Welcome to the I Work For Him Power Pod. I'm Michael Miracle, producer for I Work For Him, the voice of the faith and work movement. We are on mission to transform the workplace of every Christian into a mission field. Each quick listening power pod is designed with you in mind and jam-packed with kingdom resources to help you connect your faith and work. How will this impact your workplace? Let's find out right now. You know, more than four years ago, let me just stop that for a second before I do my intro. Get out a pen and paper. Pen and paper. Stop right now. Get pen and paper. You're going to want to write down stuff today? Pen and paper. Stop what you're doing. Pen and paper. Okay. More than four years ago, David Gibbs III came on iWork for him and shared some remarkable information about what rights we have in the workplace and what rights we don't. In those four years, we've added a significant amount of persecution and a significant, monstrous amount of lack of tolerance for anything having a biblical worldview. So what's legal for you to say and do regarding your faith in the workplace? Do you know? What rights do you have in your workplace regarding your faith? Do you know? Can you pray? Can you read your Bible? Can you hold a Bible study? Can you even invite somebody to church? Is it different if you're a teacher at a public school or a worker at a private company? The answer is, you're going to find out. Stay tuned as we explore all these options and more with David Gibbs III from the National Center for Life and Liberty, found online at ncll.org. That's ncll.org. David Gibbs III, welcome back to Our Work For Him. These business owners, Christian business owners, there's six or 7,000 businesses owned by Christ followers in this, in this area. They want to know, what rights do I have? They really want to know, what, how, does, how can my faith how can I incorporate my faith into my work? And you and you covered some of that at the beginning of the show. But what are some things that they should be very, very careful about because of the tenuousness of today's uh, just adversity to Christianity? Well, let me let me give the good news before the bad news. The okay. good news is small business owners are basically protected in their hiring and firing decisions. If you have um, fifteen or more, you're deemed a large employer. So if you're under fifteen, the fourteen or less, you are protected in terms of your ability to um, hire and fire really at will. I mean, you can say, I like this guy. I don't like this guy. This guy goes to church with me. This guy doesn't. I mean, you have a lot of ability to um, put the people in your company that you believe are consistent. And then again, that's different philosophies. Some folks like to evangelize their coworkers. Some people are looking for folks that agree with them. But the reality is you have a lot of latitude as a business owner. The one area you do want to be careful in today's world is if you're in a business that's deemed a public accommodation, when you decline services, and that's where we've seen these cases popping up with the um, homosexual wedding-related issues, whether it's the photographer, the wedding chapel, the baker, the florist, those folks. If you decline services based on a faith decline, I generally recommend that business owners also add you know, some other reasonable, you know, I'm not available that day, it doesn't work for me. Um, you know, I'm taking that day off. I mean, come up with something. Don't just make it about your faith decline and you'll be more protected. Every one of us listening to this show needs to understand our rights as Christ followers out there in the work world. David, why don't you just give us a brief nutshell of, of really what we need, what, what do we need to be aware of? What are our rights? Dividing all workplaces into three. In the government, you get your constitutional protections. So if you're an employee, remember, free speech, freedom of religion, right to associate, you're fully protected in a lot of areas. You have protections that the private sector doesn't enjoy. In the private sector, it divides into two categories, the large employer 
or the small employer. Now, the small employer, quite honestly, and I say this to employees, you need to keep your boss happy because if you're a small employer, he has a lot of latitude and certainly in right-to-work states like Florida. And so it's very important to um, make sure that you understand you can't really assert a lot of claims if you're working for a small employer. Now, a large employer, Title VII kicks in. That's part of the Civil Rights Act um, out of Washington. And what that says is based on some criteria, obviously race being a major one, but also religion, that there has to be the principle of fairness, okay, that they cannot discriminate based on faith or race or certain criteria. There has to be a fairness. So if an employer, for example, says, um, you can decorate your office any way you want. Okay, great. Then you want to put up a Bible verse. You want to put up a family photo at church, or you want to put up a little cross. All of a sudden, they go, oh, no, 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 no. You can't have religious stuff. Well, all of a sudden, that became unfair. Now, if the boss says no decorations, then it's fair again. So these religious cases for large employers, a lot of times are looking at policies, fairness. Is everybody being treated the same? And so that is that arena. The third arena is what I'll call the ministry arena. And uh, generally, these are nonprofits. Generally, these are churches or parachurch organizations. And ministries are allowed to do things that other groups are not if, number one, it's faith-based. Okay, so if you say it's part of our faith, everybody that's going to work for us has to be a born-again, Bible-believing Christian. Okay, it's faith-based. And then, number two, it needs to be applied fairly. So ministries have a lot of rights. So sometimes somebody may say, well, I want to go work for this church, but I'm a Muslim or I don't even believe like they believe or I, I, well, you would say to them, well, sir, ma'am, you don't have any real rights to assert that because that's a faith-based employer. Uh, and they have constitutional rights, uh, first amendment rights to practice their faith. And so that's kind of the three arenas you have to think about. So whenever anybody's looking at a job or looking at their situation, you start with, are you in the government? No, I'm over in the private sector. Okay. Are you in a big employer, a little employer, big or little? And then are you in a faith-based employer? And more often than not, that's going to be a nonprofit or a church. There can be secular nonprofits. There can even be secular churches that don't have any faith and they don't really ever discriminate. And so then they would be back under Title Seven. But if somebody says, no, we're more conservative, we require, um, you know, we believe, I'll use an example. There's some churches that would, um, only allow men to hold certain leadership positions. Um, and that is, in the law, illegal, but it is protected if it is, again, faith-based and applied fairly. And so those are kind of the three arenas to look at, and they're always getting pushed on, Jim. I mean, we, we get cases where, I mean, you know, uh, a lady um, becomes uh, pregnant out of wedlock. Okay, well, um, it's illegal to fire someone for being pregnant, because that would be a discrimination based on gender under Title VII. But on the other hand, if you're a faith-based employee and you say, wait a minute, our faith, we don't allow people to um, have these sexual relationships outside of marriage, and so we're going to have to act on faith. And you see where those issues end up in the court because it ends up becoming a factual dispute as to why the action was taken. Hmm. So when you look at where our world is going, that was a great summary too, by the way. Thank you very much. And, And I... I love what you do, and I love the simplicity of how you apply it. I know that when it comes to the law, nothing is simple. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure your your average brief today, you know, is is inches and inches and inches high. When you look at 24 years ago when you got into this, and where you are today, how much have you witnessed the rights of Christ followers eroded? 
I would say there's been significant erosion. Now, obviously, I, I have an opinion, but um, here's what I'm finding. The biblical authority that undergirded the law and the culture is being ignored. And by the way, that's even by a lot of Christ followers. I mean, if you say to the typical Christian, when was the last time you read the Bible? Or have you ever read the Bible through? Or do you read the Bible every day? A lot of good people. They're, they're not bad folks, but they're just too busy. You know, I have other things I need to do. I need to watch my TV and do my events. And, and, we're, and we're living where we act like we don't need the truth of the Word of God. And as the truth has left the church house and left the lives of the people and the voters, uh, we're beginning to watch where our politics is changing, where our culture is changing, our issues are changing. I mean, a lot of Americans, in my opinion, have transferred reliance on God uh, over to reliance on the government. You know, if you were to say to a, a typical American, you know, who's your God? They wouldn't necessarily say the government, but the reality is they pray to the government for protection. They pray to the government for safety. They pray to the government to train their kids. They pray to the government for when they get sick, health care. They pray to the government when they get old, they want retirement. And and again, I understand all the politics involved, but the, the typical American has moved away from individual responsibility, the rights that are given to me by God, and the truth of the word of God, and has moved into much more of a I'm owed, and so that culture permeates now, certainly in the workplaces, as well as um, I'm not going to accept the Word of God as controlling in my life. When you look at the cases that you've seen in the last five years versus the last 15, do you get discouraged at all about how intense some of this opposition is to the Christian faith? Um I don't know that I would say discourage. I tend to be sort of an optimistic type person because I believe, um, just candidly, I've read the back of the book and we win. Amen. Okay, so I mean, at, at some level, I mean... Did we, you read all the way through or did you just jump right to the back? Yeah, well, let me just put it this way. We don't fight for victory. We fight in victory. That's Jesus right. has already paid the price. Amen. And And you look at what the early church faced, the hostility that they faced. I mean, they were getting put in jail. They're being publicly murdered economically they were struggling i mean their families were cutting them off they were losing everything they had they were having to just buy and trade amongst themselves i mean it was a a horrible thing and and they prayed and i i like this verse it's acts chapter 4 verse 29 lord behold look at the threatenings and give us boldness and their prayer was for boldness to share the truth and so um, i like encouraging people to be bold and i just say this as you look at the world growing darker the opportunity for the light is to shine brighter well, and that's really what our, our world is missing today. It, you know, for us to be bold in our faith in, in presenting the truth, but to do it in love as well. But our world is craving truth. They're, cra- I mean, we live in a world full of hopelessness and people are going, well, what's real? Where do I put my feet on where I, it, my, where the foundation won't move? Well, and we're watching, Jim, where they're wanting to ban the Christian message from the people. I mean, we watched it get pulled out of the schools in the sixties and mm-hmm. we're reaping the carnage of that. We're now watching where they're trying to limit what we can do on the airwaves, uh, the Internet. And, and so, for example, and, and clearly groups that advocate hate or violence are wrong groups. They're doing the wrong thing. But all of a sudden, somebody preaches Jesus Christ or preaches biblical values. And all of a sudden, they get banned from the Internet. They get banned from Facebook. They get banned from social media. All of a sudden, their church can't get a website. I mean, we're living in a world where technology is a wonderful tool. But then all of a sudden, folks that control it want to take Hollywood values, merge them with Silicon Valley values, work it into Washington values. And now all of a sudden, it's not Christians at the back of the bus. It's Christians getting kicked off the bus. Hmm. 
So let's encourage people a little bit here at the end. As you people, they've got questions. The National Center for Life and Liberty has got answers. You've you've already gotten cases. You already know. There's there's some answers out there now. There's new stuff that comes up all the time. What kind of cases should people be bringing to you at the National Center for Life and Liberty? Well, we are honored, Jim. Um, our ministry, we litigate, we work in Washington, and we try to help folks avoid problems. And and certainly honored to be on your broadcast. Believe in you. I work for him. Is just got such great reputation and heritage and, and a great ministry. But uh, we are honored to help churches, pastors, folks that have questions or issues. We're honored to help employees, uh, people of faith that say, you know what, I just don't understand Christian business owners. Uh, some of them are doctors. Some of them are making things. Some of them are working in service industries. But if you just say, I just don't know where to turn. Uh, we're a nonprofit legal ministry. Um, you can reach out to us. What we'll do is we'll give you the information. Sometimes you'll like what you hear. Sometimes you may say, <laughs> Boy, I'm not overjoyed. I thought maybe I could do that. But the reality is you get that information, and then we help you like attorneys. Here's your options. You know, obviously you can do this, but you're at risk. You do this over here, you'll be in the safe spot. And again, if folks have any questions, ncll.org. Our biggest office is in Largo, Florida, but we work across the nation. We listen to I Work For Him with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower. My workplace, it's my mission field. Ultimately, I work for him. Thank you for listening to the I Work For Him Power Pod with your hosts, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. Want more? Hear the full broadcast at IWorkForHim.com. Stay connected and receive power pack content when you sign up for our blog at IWorkForHim.com or follow us on social media at IWorkForHim. And finally, if today's message inspired you, please subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast platform. Your review helps launch more workplace missionaries across the nation. That's at I Work For Him and online, IWorkForHim.com.